So the reading today is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and it's just on page 1164. <laughs> so if you turn to 1163, just over the page to 1164, um, and it's chapter 9. There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gifts you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Adam, thank you very much for reading. Um, welcome to Trinity. My name's Nathan. I'm the assistant minister here at the church, and it's nice to be back. We've uh, had the bout of COVID for the last couple of weeks, so it's nice to be back in action. Don't worry, I'm very negative if you come near me. Um, and there's a few new faces here today. Um, you're very, very welcome to, to us today, and well done for making it. It's always a bit tricky with the clock changes. I was trying to work out if that's a good thing for a sermon. Either we'll be not as hungry as we normally are, or it will be the sort of mid-afternoon slump. So I'm not sure, but we need to, uh, we need to pray. So let me pray again uh, as we look at this passage together. Our oh, Father, we've already sung of your wonderful, wonderful grace shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you uh, for the gift that he is to us. Thank you that because of him we have, well, we have every spiritual blessing. And so I pray, Lord, wherever we come from today, uh, Lord, some of us will be Christians, some of us won't. I pray that we would engage with what you have revealed in your word um, so that we might see him and that thanks and praise might be going to him today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Adam was reading that out, you might have thought, 
Oh, it's money uh, again. Giving. Oh, is that again? Didn't we, didn't we do that last week? We've, we've sort of done that bit. Do we really need to be thinking about that again? Uh, Jeremy last week mentioned Chuggers, uh, charity street workers. And uh, you'll have seen them probably on a, a sunny day like today outside of Angel Station uh, or on Upper Street. And um, you, sometimes you think you, you've beaten them, right? I know it sounds really awful, doesn't it? But you, you're in a rush and you think, okay, I'll just cross the roads because I can see some fluorescent orange jackets. And you think you're fine. And then suddenly, hi, how's your day going? Someone jumps out and, um, and suddenly, oh no, I, I've got to engage in a conversation. And that can, of course, be a really good thing. Um, but maybe you think Jeremy was sort of chugger number one, charity street worker number one last week, and you, you've got away with it, and then suddenly I jump out in a, not a fluorescent jacket, but in a, in a navy blue shirt. And to be honest, actually, as I opened up and saw what I was going to be preaching on this week, I thought to myself, didn't we do this last week? Do we really need to hear about money and, and giving again? Maybe that's how you feel. Uh, you think, look, Nathan, it's... It's been a tough week. There's a lot going on in my life. I sort of just wanted to come to church just to be encouraged, okay? I didn't really need another chat about money, about giving. Look, if that is you, uh, let me just say three little things as we start. First of all, as a church, we say often we want to be committed to what's sometimes called expository preaching, consecutive expository preaching, where we go through a book like 2 Corinthians, and we want to hear the sweep of what God has to say. We don't want to just jump over bits that we don't want to talk about. We want to see word for word, verse for verse. Give God the microphone and see what he needs to teach us, not just the kind of things that we might want to, to talk about. So we want to be committed to that. Second little thing, maybe you're away last week or you need reminding of what the Bible has to say about money. Someone famously said the last part of a person to be converted is their wallet. And that can be true. Money can have a particular grasp on us in a way that we don't bless and, and be generous to others. And so it's really not a bad thing, is it, to hear what the Bible says about money for another week. But perhaps thirdly, and this is, I think, where it lands most importantly, is that 2 Corinthians 9 offers you and me an opportunity for spiritual blessing. And I don't want us to miss out on that. Just look down on page 1164, uh, if it's there in chapter 9, uh, and verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Or verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. It needs to be qualified, don't, don't mishear me, we'll come back to this later. But there's a very real sense in which the more we give, the more we get. I'll come back on that, qualify that a little bit later. But there's a real sense in which the more we, we give generously, the more we get. And if Paul is right in saying that giving, Christian giving is a way of being, well, increasing your own joy, uh, of blessing others, of giving praise to God, well, actually, I want in on that. And my prayer this week has been that the Holy Spirit, who, who I guess revealed these words, who did reveal these words to Paul, would, would impress these truths on our hearts as well as we hear this. Well, the focus um, of these two chapters then, chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, is a, is a collection, a financial collection 
for, for starving Christians in Judea, Jerusalem. And so Paul, this apostle Paul, he's, he's asking the Corinthians to give likely a substantial amount of money to a whole group of people that they've never even met before. They don't know what they look like. Why on earth would they give to people like that? What would motivate them? Well, do just turn back to 1163 and look at verse 9 of chapter 8. And this really is the, the key verse for the whole section where Paul says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What is the, the key ingredient or the key motivation in giving? It's a five-letter word beginning with G. Anyone want to shout it out? Grace. John, I knew I could count on you. Fantastic. Grace. And, and this grace has spurred the Macedonians, you can see there in the north, it spurred them on to giving beyond their means, giving generously. And so Paul is wanting the Corinthians down in the south to, to also excel in the grace of giving. And it's, there's been positive signs that they're keen to be generous. But Paul starts chapter 9 by saying, yeah, but I want you to be ready. I don't want you just to make promises, but I want you to give, to be true to your words on that. Verse 1, if you look at chapter 9, this made me laugh. Paul says, there's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. Yeah, I'm going to write a whole chapter to you anyway, just in case. It's like when Charlotte says to me, Nathan, I probably don't need to remind you, but do you remember you'd say you'd top up petrol on the way home? And I think, you definitely didn't need to remind me of that, but I, I will remember to do that. Now, it feels a little bit like that. But Paul, he doesn't need to remind them because they've already expressed a keenness to give. They've said they want to give towards the Christians who are needy and starving in Jerusalem. But the point is here that good intentions, promises, sharing the giving page on social media are not enough. He wants them to follow through and to actually give. Why? Well, because it will spare shame, both his and theirs. Look at verse 4. He says, for if the Macedonians, who have already given, come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed to have been, uh, been so confident can you imagine the potential humiliation of this, uh, these poorer Christians in Ma Macedonia, this ragged bunch, this delegation turning up in Corinth to find the wealthy Corinthians unprepared? So just, you know, scrabbling around, does anyone have any, does anyone have any coin? Oh, sorry, I've just got American Express. You know, has anyone, has anyone got anything? And they would probably give pretty, pretty grudgingly if that was the case. No, he, he wants them to be ready, to be true to their promise and to give. But actually, it's about more than money in Paul's mind. It's about the heart. Because a failure to give and to keep the, their word would beg the question, have the Corinthians really grasped the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that he's been so keen to explain to them? He loves the Corinthians, Paul does, and, and he deeply wants to know that they are changed people. And so motivated by the grace shown in the, the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants them to be ready and to keep their words. Listen, if you're here today um, visiting, or if you're, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, this is not for you, okay? 
this, not the whole sermon, but this particular bit, is not for you. But for those of us who are committed here at Trinity, we call ourselves Christians. Do you remember Jeremy last week? He held up one of these, and there's there's some on the table at the back, a a sort of giving um, leaflet about our situation here at Trinity and and giving to the the church and to the ministry here. I think there's a a challenge that perhaps we took one of these away and and we, it's sort of the you know, bottom of the bag. Or, or we said, or, you know, Thursday night with my spouse, I was going to chat through it, it was in the diary, and oh, it just didn't quite happen. Or you, you were going to go into online banking, and, and you lost your online banking details, and oh, where have they gone? I'm not quite sure. Paul would say to us, I think, the challenge that here, actually, good intentions are not enough. In light of the grace, Paul would say, put into practice what you've decided to give. Put that into practice. And some of us, I guess, will need to hear that today. But all of this leads up really then to three heavyweight encouragements for why lavish giving is what is such an appropriate way of life for the Christian. And these three things that we're going to look at today have the potential to to really transform our whole outlook when it comes to money and giving. So let's work through these. First of all then, an attitude of giving that should be cheerful and generous. When it comes to, um, to giving or, or finances, uh, I'm guessing that the words generous and cheerful are not necessarily the first two things that spring to mind that, that we would say. Yet those are two attitudes that we can confidently say that God loves when it comes to giving. First of all, uh, then generous. Look at verse 6. Paul goes to the farm with this illustration and says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I'm I'm not much of a farmer. I did grow up in Cornwall, but I didn't didn't go too close to the the farming side of things. But there's two ways, I guess, to to farm, aren't there? One is to, to get each seed and put it in the soil, sort of, there we go you know, put it in and do it like that. Or the other one is to, to scatter liberally, freely. And when it comes to harvest time, it's, it's not rocket science, is it, to say which one would produce the bumper harvest. It's, it's going to be the one where, where the seed has been sown lavishly, generously. And Paul says the person who gives in that way will reap blessing. We'll unpack that a little bit more in, in a moment. But it's worth noting that it's not so much us giving away but rather it's investing. It's kind of kingdom economics, if you like. We're to give freely, generously to the work of the gospel. I guess there'll be a few people here today who hear that and go, okay, Nathan, but what, what does that mean? What, what number? Is, is this kind of before tax or after tax? You know, how does it work? What does generous mean? In a sense, those are the wrong questions to, to ask. In the Old Testament, you might know that it was sort of 10% tithe that was given. That was the sort of thing for God's people then. But in the New Testament, we're not given a number or a figure. It's rather a heart attitude of generosity in response to the grace that we heard about in the Lord Jesus Christ. And generosity will look different for everyone here in your circumstances. Uh, Some people, maybe you've paid off most of the mortgage and you're able to give more freely, more than 10%. Others, that children might be at uni, and that's a stage where perhaps you can give a little bit more than you did before. I don't know. But we're to be generous in our giving, Paul says. 
And if that feels hard, well, the second little bit is maybe even harder because he says we're to be cheerful. Look at verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, Notice just uh, as we pass it in verse 7, it's it's a private thing. So it's uh, someone who's looked over their budget and decided what to give. And we're not then to to judge others. So we're we're not to look sideways and think, well, they send their their children to private school. They must have quite a lot of money that they could be giving to church. Or, oh, well, um, uh, you know, those people, they went on holiday, didn't they? Again, another foreign holiday. No, no, no between us and God. It's a private thing. And that's one of the reasons, I guess, if you're new here or, or kind of coming to church, that we don't pass an offering plate round. Uh, that's something, isn't it, that actually because, oh, okay, what are they giving? You know, pretend you're not looking, but oh, that's another 50 pounds. No, no, it's between us and God. That's why it's an online thing uh, that you can read about in, in the form, as I said, is on the back table there. Just standing order. It's between you and God. But it also says in that verse, in verse 7, we're not to be grumpy givers. I guess sort of Christian scrooges in our giving. No, not reluctant, begrudging, under compulsion. But above all, end of verse 7, we're to be cheerful givers. That's what God, we're told, loves. At the end of verse 7, that word there, cheerful, uh, the Greek word there is hilaros. It's where we get our word hilarious from. <laughs> Okay, so we're to be cheerful, hilarious, generous, happy in the way that we give. Why does God love this? Well, I guess it's a sign that someone's understood how lavishly blessed they are in Christ, as we've said that verse from Ephesians together. Lavishly blessed, and and they've responded hilariously, cheerfully, gladly, as they give the money back to God and invest in the work of the Lord, like the Macedonians did in the north. A few years ago, I worked for um, a Christian organization called uh, UCCF, working with um, students in university. Some of you would have come across that. And I had to raise about a quarter of my salary for the three years where I worked um, for UCCF. And I remember lots of people very, very kindly and generously gave towards the the work that I was doing. But I remember once uh, the post came, it was a handwritten envelope, and I opened it. And it was was five pounds uh, that someone had given not five pounds a month or five pounds a week, five pounds. And it was an older lady, I I didn't know her, she knew my parents, she's from from Cornwall, and uh, she knew my parents a bit, and she was an older blind lady, and she, someone had written in there for her, look, uh, I'm retired, I don't have very much to to give, but I wanted to bless you, I wanted to give you that, I know it's not much, I mean, realistic, it's not gonna get two coffees in London, but there was something so striking and lovely about this lady who gave generously, cheerfully. And we can say that God loves that. There's lots of people who give like this, I know, at at Trinity. I'm not going to say their name, but there's one person at at church particularly who I think epitomizes this this attitude of of generosity and cheerfulness. Uh, Someone who, who... gives often cakes or, or their time or, or toys and, and little things for our kids. And it's just so striking and, and beautiful, actually, that they give with this kind of attitude. And look, if, like me, you, you maybe lean slightly towards the, the Scrooge side of things, <laughs> naturally, 
Could you pray for me, pray for you as well, that, that God would open, open your heart to be hilariously generous, cheerful in generosity, investing. Because God loves a cheerful giver whose steady direction of life leans towards generosity. Maybe you hear that though and, and you think, well, okay, but, but won't this leave me with nothing if, we, if I actually did that? Wouldn't that just leave me with nothing? It's fine for people who are pretty comfortable, you know, but, but not me. I, things are pretty tight financially. I, look, I'm up at night thinking about these things. I, I can't do this. It's not possible. Well, the second point that we're going to look at addresses that, where this is said, the promise of giving is abundant blessing. Listen, if you have had that mid-sort of afternoon slump, one thing, one thing to really take away today and listen to is this, this promise that if you want to be generous... God will enable you to be generous. Okay? If you're going to remember one thing on Wednesday this week, if you truly want to be generous in your heart towards the Lord, he will enable you to be generous. Let me show you that from from the Bible. Verse 8. And God, it says, is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able. His ability here is is front and center to do what? Well, to provide us with enough for our own needs and more than enough to continue sharing and to be generous, overflowing to others. Someone I read this week uh, just on this passage helps me, and they put it like this. They said, a generous uh, giving may appear hazardous when we don't possess much. It's true, isn't it? But it is not so when we recognize God's ability. Our Heavenly Father is the universal provider who is well able to supply his children's requirements. God enables, provides the the means, the money, resources, so that we're comfortable? Well, no. Look at the end of verse 8. So that we abound in every good work. Not so that we sort of get more money and can hoard more money, but so that we can give away and be generous continuously to others. You get an example of that in verse 9 from a psalm with a a person who embodied this principle. But more than that, just work your way down to verse 10 and 11. It says this, Now he, that's God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seeds and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You might hear those verses, and um, if you've been around Christian circles a while, or you know, think about it, sounds, uh, smells a little bit of the prosperity gospel. I don't know if you've ever come across that, it's sort of sometimes called a health and wealth gospel. It's not, it's not a true gospel, it's a false gospel, false teaching that says, look, if you give money today, you know, the preacher says, if you give today, God will make you rich. God will make you rich. And actually, I went to a church a few years ago in London, a church I wouldn't recommend going to. And actually, someone stood up just before the offering, uh, and they said, look, there was a lady in this church who gave her last 10 pounds. That was all she had. She gave that, and now she drives around in a black beamer or mercedes or whatever it was implication give me your last 10 not me sorry he didn't say that give the church here your last 10 pounds 
and you will be rich. You might drive around in a, in a black Beamer or Mercedes. In other words, God, I've done my bit. Now you need to make me rich. Now you need to give me a spouse. Now you need to do, you know, you owe me. That is not what Paul is saying here. That is not what he's saying. Rather, he's saying that God's grace poured out on us, helps us abound in every good work, so that we can be generous on every occasion, so that a harvest of righteousness can be produced. It's not that we're saved by giving, but rather it's a result of a changed life, changed by grace. So that promise again, if you want to be generous in your heart, God will enable, he'll provide enough for you to be generous. For some, that will be financial, not always. But for some, you're investing in Christian things and God will give you more money to continue investing and giving towards Christian things and charities and church. Others, it will be generosity with your time or generous with resources. Jeremy, who's some, if you don't know, was leading the service earlier. We, we were chatting just in, the, in midweek. And he said it's, it's tempting sometimes to occasionally daydream a little bit. And, um, and just imagine that we get an email and a church in the States has, um, has found Trinity's website. You know, it's boosted up on the, the rankings. It's, so on the top of the, they found it on, on the website. And, and they've said that we want to give you £200,000 per year at Trinity. No, no questions asked. So kind of come into your, I see the finance team, you know, their eyes are lighting up as they hear this. But actually, it might not be a great thing for us if that was the case. Because we would miss out on grace being at work. A harvest of righteousness, of, of personal enrichment for us personally. So can I ask you today, do you believe the promise that God will supply all that you need? Not all that you want, <laughs> it's a difference. But all that you need, clothes, rent, food... At all times, not, not sometimes, so that you can be generous to others. Could you try that promise out? <laughs> try it on for size. Uh, financially, uh, you think about giving to, to Trinity and the work of the gospel here. Or, or on Tuesday night, we talked about giving to Christians in Ukraine, didn't we? Out there who are, who are needy, maybe a little bit like the Christians in Jerusalem. Or, or maybe it might be giving away possessions, generous in that way. I know people, Christians, who have given away uh, their cars to people or, or lent their cars for, because they needed them more than they did. And, and yeah, just have it. Or, or maybe it might be hospitality, being generous with, with meals and time. You think, oh, I, I live in a small flat and it's quite expensive to have people around for dinner and those kind of things. Well, try, try it out. Be, be generous and God will enable you. In that way, it would be great, wouldn't it, to see how he might provide. And actually, if we're honest, it's not really our money anyway, is it? It's not really our resources. They're God's. God has provided generously. And we should hold it with an open hand. I just want to say at this point, I recognize that many at Trinity already model this really wonderfully. Um, as Jeremy said, we, we don't know what people give. That's very deliberate uh, at Trinity. But I know that people model this brilliantly. People who perhaps are stuck around at Trinity who could easily afford a, a four or five bedroom house in the suburbs, but have, have decided to stay local, even if that means a smaller house or, or a sm less rooms and that kind of thing. And, that, and that's a sacrifice, and, and that's a wonderful thing. Thank you. 
There's a real sense in which the more we give, Paul says, the more we get spiritually, blessing-wise. And then the third thing, the last thing that we see a little bit more briefly is this, that the goal of giving is thanksgiving to God. When I was a student, um, I uh, was asked to, to hire to, to play at a church, um, play trumpet at a church service in, in a little chapel in Hampstead. I turned out with a few friends and we were booked for it on a Sunday morning. And uh, it had been announced that there was a rich older lady in the congregation, something like Mrs. Augustus Baldwin or something, something, a name, something like that. And, and it was announced that she had given £2,000 to hire the musicians. There were a few of us. It wasn't, it wasn't that good. But um, a few of us musicians. And she, Mrs. Augustus Baldwin, had given money. And it was announced from the front, uh, probably a trumpet fanfare, literally, uh, that she had given the money for that. And she sort of stood up and everyone cheered. And I found it pretty awkward, and I think my friends who weren't Christians found it pretty cringe, you know, that this was being announced so much. See, the goal of true Christian giving is never for the giver to be praised, but it's for God to be praised. Oh, there's m- many wonderful uh, consequences of generosity that the poor Christians in Jerusalem are provided for. It's a sign that grace is at work in the Christians. But above all, Paul is at pains to to hammer home, to sort of crescendo up in this argument, to say that the biggest motivation of all is that God is praised, that thanksgiving goes to him above all. You see that at the end of verse 11, that this results in thanksgiving to God. And then look at verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God. That's what it's all about. So when we think about why it is that we're, you and I are on earth, what, what is it our lives should be about, well, it's so that Jesus might be praised, worshipped. That's what we're here for. And, and actually one of the beautiful effects of, of giving is that people will see Christian generosity and they can't help but praise God for it. Uh, just imagine for a moment that you're one of those needy Christians. You haven't had food for a few days in Jerusalem. And you see Paul and, and the others arriving with a, a sack of cash on, on their back. And you, and you say, well, praise God that, that these Christians who don't even know us, they don't know what we look like, they don't know our names. Yet God has stirred in these Gentile Christians their hearts so that they're generous to us. Thank, thank you, Lord. Or, or Christians in Ukraine who received probably a bit more modern day, maybe a PayPal transfer from Christians across the world, giving towards them, and they think, oh, wow, God has stirred this generosity in, in brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Or our mission partners here at Trinity who are, who are serving in the work of the gospel all around the world, and as they get the money in the, in the standing order from us as a church and we give towards them, they say, wow, I, I know there's some regulars who maybe we remembered at the church, but there's new people at Trinity and, and they're giving. Praise God, isn't that wonderful? There's a word here uh, in this section just for the person who's maybe heard what Jeremy and I have said in the last few weeks, but thinks... Okay, but I'd rather opt out of giving. It's not for me. I wonder if you ever thought about the fact that you're denying yourself the privilege of giving God glory. I'm saying this to Christians, people that belong to the church. I'm not speaking to you if you you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You're denying yourself the privilege of giving God glory if you think, ah, not for me. I'll opt out. 
till another time. But equally, there's a word here, I think, as well, to, to the proud person who's proud of their giving, and they think, Do you know, I give a lot of money towards Trinity Church Islington, and I wouldn't mind if that got out and, and a few people worked out quite how much it was that I was giving. Well, the God has produced that giving in you, and actually all praise belongs to him, not us. So as we draw to a close, let's remember then to be a church, to be individuals as well, who, who have an attitude of cheerful, hilarious generosity. Wouldn't that be striking? Who remember that promise of, of abundant blessing. And who through all of this, the, the goal is that not we're praised, but, but that God is praised. Jesus is praised. Of course, that's only going to happen if we're captivated by what Paul is captivated by. Do you see where he ends his section and this section in 2 Corinthians, just in verse 15, where he finishes by saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's appropriate that he ends where he starts with Jesus, this gift of grace. He says literally here, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul, um, at this point, then, he, he runs out of words. He, he's so excited as he finishes this that he actually makes up a Greek word for indescribable. It's not used anywhere else in the Bible or any literature at that time. He's sort of made of a word like, I don't know, fantastic expialidocious. You know, he just, for that gift at the end here. He can't contain his words. Because Jesus, though he was rich, you remember, in heaven, he became poor. So that through his poverty, we might become well, spiritual billionaires. Every spiritual blessing in Christ, we've already said today. All giving stems from Jesus, who gave everything so that we might gain everything. Paul's got other things when we come back next week to the rest of 2 Corinthians to say to us in this letter. This finishes this little section. But it is striking that in Romans 15... In another book that he wrote, we're shown there that, that actually this appeal to the Corinthians worked. <laughs> that actually we see there both in Macedonia and Achaia, that's where Corinth is. That this plea for giving was successful, that they did give cheerfully, generously to those Christians in Jerusalem. But that's them, <laughs> that's that collection. In light of God's grace, what about us? How will we respond to this indescribable gift? I'll just leave a moment's silence and then lead us in prayer. Lord, in a moment we're going to be taking the, the Lord's Supper and that's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be reminded of, of Jesus, this inexpressible, indescribable gift. Thank you for him. Thank you for his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection for us. And Lord, some of us will find this uh, an encouragement, a reminder. Others of us will have found this hard, Lord, to be thinking about money and giving again, perhaps. But I pray that our hearts will be transformed by him by what he has done for us. 
and that that might result in, in changed lives, not just for, for giving on one day in March, but for a whole life of this dependence of leaning on him and to see what he might do through that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.